Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the fiber arts podcast with a bit about the rest of life thrown in. Hosted by Dave and Erica, husband and wife yarn shop owners in Indiana, USA. This is episode 76, recorded the last week of January 2019. Today's segments include What You're Working On, Sponsored Pattern, and Colorful Puddles. Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. So, Erica, what have you been working on this two weeks? Yep, we did switch to every two weeks instead of every week because we have a lot of things going on with uh, transitioning from brick and mortar to our totally mobile yarn truck. We will be back to weekly eventually, letting you know tales from the road. Yep, um, but we are taking a little bit of a, of a break and going to every two weeks here um, until we are on the road, hopefully in early April. <laughs> um, this two weeks, we have, it feels like everything is happening all at once. Um, <laughs> That's why we're only doing this every two weeks. We might be in a state of panic. <laughs> uh, just a little mild, mild panic. Um, we have gotten a lot of new nomad yarn truck merch in which is kind of exciting it makes me feel like we're famous um especially (laughs) since dave is the one who's ordered it all so it's just sort of arriving in my lap and some of it i don't know even exists until it's here which is fun pretty items magically show up at the door and erica's squeals with delight which is always kind of fun uh so we have gotten in some travel mugs which are fun these are the like double walled stainless steel inside but they're little they're really cute they're little 10 ounce guys um and so they fit in your hand really nice and comfortably and they fit in all of the cup holders everywhere like the cars and the and the strollers and stuff um and they're just adorable they're wood grain and they have the logo our new logo with the truck on them um they're fun there was a lot of debating about what size to get (laughs) i really liked the little ones and dave thought a more standard slightly larger size would have been better um i think these are cute i think these are cute um we got stitch markers from a local laser cutter along with our needle gauges we had to go back um three times i think uh to make sure that the needle gauges were accurate because it's hard yeah it turns out that laser cutting a needle gauge accurately is a lot harder than it seems um um yeah, yeah, when you're dealing... It takes a lot of calibration. So if you are unfamiliar with the concept of a needle gauge, you take your knitting needle that the size label has rubbed off of um, with use, and you need to know what size it is. You poke it through the hole of the needle gauger, and the smallest hole that it will fit all the way through is what size needle it is. Well, it turns out with a lot of needles, you're talking about like a quarter of a millimeter um difference between the two and it has to be big enough for one to go through and not big enough for the next one to go through and the the laser the thickness of the laser itself affects this whole and it's just it's a whole thing that i didn't even know about and different needles from different companies have different slightly yeah slightly different um, so we had to test with several different brands to get these gauges correct so these gauges are accurate you can order with confidence <laughs> we have tested them with multiple needle sizes of every type on multiple multiple different of the uh of the needle gauges that were cut out so they so are both, accurate, both but it myself, took us a while. Both myself and Doug, the laser cutting guy, have probably got a few more gray hairs. <laughs> he did say it was a very interesting project. That <laughs> we're trying to work with um, local craftsmen as much as possible. Um, and he 
owns and operates a laser cutting uh, service. Uh, it's Magic Bulb because uh, he also does custom light uh, lighting um, here on the. It's on the. It's on the near east side. I believe he does three D printing as well. Yeah, um, but he never worked on a project with this tight of um, sort of error margins before. So he was very. I think he enjoyed the process. He's an engineer by training. Um, so I ended up going there with Rowan, the 16 month old in tow one of the times. Um, and the, uh, Doug, the guy there was very tolerant of my small child, um, trying to eat all the tiny cutouts, uh, <laughs> but we got it done. They look great. We really like it. Um, and so the, the needle gauges, the stitch markers, um, so say a few words about the stitch markers. The stitch markers are um, little wooden tags. I, I'm making a, a, the size they're of them. 15 millimeters, they're about half an inch. Okay, sort of nickel sized, um, smaller than a quarter, bigger than a dime. About dime size. Um, and they hang from bulb shaped uh, pins, so they actually do open and close if you wanted to put the um put the little tag little wood tag down onto the larger part of the bulb um they would open and close and you could use them easily for crochet stitch markers or for knitting markers that you actually clip into your fabric um the way that we have them set up the uh the little wooden disc is kind of goes down on top of the um, the part of the, they're basically safety pins in the shape of a light bulb. Um, and so the bigger part of the bulb goes around your needle. It will accommodate comfortably up to a size, a US size 10 and a half needle um, and slide along and very comfortably not, not get stuck or be too tight with that. Um, but then the uh, the little metal or the little wooden disc almost kind of locks them shut. They yeah, don't open up when you open, don't want them to. Makes much safer to use. Um, so they, I have, I have them in my most recent knitting project. I've been working with them for a, a week or two now, um, and I'm enjoying it, and they make me smile. It is the uh, simplified logo, our original logo, the ball of yarn. Uh, with the knitting needles poked through it is what is on the little wooden disc um, because our truck logo wouldn't fit <laughs> they would have had to be huge <laughs> um, to make that work so that that has been fun um, in the knitting bag i t finished 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 my um, plaid lace scarf sample it is a pattern that we have had out for a long time, but I completely revamped it. It was originally done in a fingering weight uh, yarn, and I redid a new sample and rewrote the pattern for a worsted weight yarn. Um, it works perfectly with our brand new yarn, which is coming out this week. Um, Released today, as you're listening. Uh, it was a it was a fun one to work on. Um, I enjoyed it. And I really like the look of it um, as as well. So I finished that. I blocked it. I have rewritten the pattern, recorded all of the videos for the mini tutorials, um, and woven in all of the ends and taken pictures of it and done all of the things. And we worked together today to work out a new pattern format that will work some new kits we'll have uh, for this in the store and on our online store as well. Yep. Um, the kit packaging for this one skein project is we are reusing tennis ball tubes from a local racket club. Uh, so they get through a lot of tennis balls and they so they have a lot of empty tennis ball tubes 
um, and we went over and got about 400 of those um, a, a couple of days ago and peeled all the labels off and are reusing those and everything fits inside very nice and neat and tidy um, and we're getting the patterns printed uh, so that they go in those kits nicely as well. Uh, we've also got some new stickers to, to put on top of it. We got labels printed for the yarn that arrived. There's just been all the, all the shipments. We're not big online orderers normally. Um, and so when to have the quantity of new things arriving <laughs> in the shop is a little overwhelming. It's like when we order stock and just all the boxes turn up. There's lots of little boxes this time though. Um, I also have had um, some Nomad Yarns uh, promotional stickers made too. Uh, a little three and a half by three and a half square sticker that you can stick on whatever you like. So we'll be slipping one of those into each of our kits too. So you can shelf where you got your kits. Um, but the project that I have been using our new stitch markers in is another re-released pattern that we will be, uh, be working on for the spring. It is our cables on the move cowl pattern, uh, which I really love. It combines two of my favorite things, dropped stitches and cables. <laughs> um, and so I have been playing with that. I'm using a brand new to me yarn, uh, Dos Tiaras from Malabrigo. Uh, we have a bunch of the new colors from that on the way. Um, they are in the mail, 10 yep. colors on the way. They will arrive um, in plenty of time for Roving Indiana, the yarn crawl that is coming up on the first of March. Um, so that is what I've been working on. I am using the colorway Archangel. One of Dave's favorites. 850. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's lots of sort of oranges and reds and um, it's a it's a fun one. I'm enjoying working on it. The stitch markers are working well. I'm, I'm liking the pattern. Yeah, it's kind of a deep orange and a uh, touch of purple and some yellows and browns in there. It's my favorite color in Malabrigo, and they have a lot of really nice colors. And Dos Tiras is a wool alpaca blend. 50-50 merino alpaca. Yeah, um, and it feels really lovely to work with. And it was actually real feel minus 38 degrees Fahrenheit yesterday. So the nice, warm, natural fibers were a good way to go. That's stupid cold. That's pipe freezing, clothes in your washing machine freezing ridiculousness. It's nostril freezing, beard frosting cold when yeah. you go outside. Uh, cars not starting, all, all <laughs> the things, all the crazy things. Um, I don't know why I'm saying this. Like Probably most of our listeners live fairly nearby, in the Midwest at least, um, and you've probably experienced this. We didn't see any customers yesterday, let's just say that. Yeah. Um, uh, I In the sewing room, I started and finished a project since the last time I was here, a train pillow for the three-year-old. Uh, our eldest child had her third birthday, um, on January 21st and uh, she had a very specific request for a birthday present that doesn't exist because she's a toddler and Poppy she speaks know. in riddles yes <laughs> so she wanted to train I forget even all the rules she wanted to train but it couldn't have, be on tracks that came apart and it had to be bigger than the cardboard boxes that she pretends are a train but it, she couldn't ride on it and so I sewed her a giant body pillow sized 
uh, pillowcase that had train cars that were pockets that she could put her stuffed animals in. And I thought it came out adorably. And she doesn't care at all and is not even a little bit interested. But I'm going to keep pretending that it's one of her coolest toys and leave it out. I think it's one of the coolest things you've ever made. It's really, really stinking cute. It's not the most technically complex thing you've made, but it's really stinking cute. It came out fun. I'm looking at it right now. Um, it's it's cute. Hopefully someday she'll appreciate it. Or maybe it will become mine and I'll appreciate <laughs> it. Um, but it was, it used a lot of, uh, it was 100% fabric I already had in my stash. I found a 100% cotton tablecloth that was like wild and crazy colors, um, a plaid a couple of years ago. And I wanted to use it, I wanted to use the fabric to sew something for me. And so I tried to over dye it to tone down the colors a little bit and over dye it like a navy blue. And it didn't quite come out how I wanted it to. It didn't tone things down enough, um, but I still liked the fabric. So that became the pillowcase part. And then just some random scraps of quilting cottons um, in some sort of batiki kind of uh, small scale prints that read as solids. Um, I keep turning my head to look at it. It probably sounds weird. Um, there's a, like a red and a blue and a purple, um, and then a multicolored like spotty that has all three of those. And then the wheels I made out of some fabric that I had recently used to make Poppy some toddler pants. So like a houndstoothy black and white and gray for the wheels. And I put some ribbon to connect the cars together and some like a terry cloth, really heavy textured, um, to make the smoke coming out of the smokestack on the, on the train. It's very cute. Someday she'll think it's cool. Or not, and I'll make her feel guilty about it. Her <laughs> it whole did life. have to compete with Hungry Hungry Hippos and an ice cream cake, so it had stiff competition in Toddler Land. It's true. Um, we, I've also, in the kitchen, I've been doing a few new things. I've been jumped back on the yogurt making bandwagon. Um, that was messy. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't set quite as much. I didn't let it go quite as long as I should have done. So it's a little bit less solidified than I would have liked it to be. So I've been using it just to make a lot of smoothies. It's got um, a good flavor, though. We it use does. it for sauces and things a couple of times. Yeah. It makes a ziki out of it. Yeah. And Poppy likes to eat it. Um, it's just, it's more liquidy than I like my yogurt to be. Um, we perpetually and always have bread dough in the fridge. We use the artisan bread in five minutes a day um, method where you make a big batch of dough uh, it's a no-need dough. Uh, you store the dough in your fridge and you pull off a hunk when you want it and cook it how you want. Uh, so we've made pizza and flatbread that we had with some um, homemade falafel the other night, which was really good. Uh, Dave made some uh, uh, burger buns, the like garlic and herb burger buns to go with the impossible burgers, which are a meatless thing that's meant to be impossibly like meat for a vegetarian burger. They were really good. 10 out of 10 would definitely eat again. I did not think that they were meat. Yeah, these were kind of knockoff ones. I think we need to go and seek out the really true Impossible Burger style ones to see if they're any better. But they tasted good. They just, they obviously weren't meat. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. I'm not opposed to meatless meatless patties, meatless burgers, whatever you want to call them. Meatless patties. Just don't, <laughs> just don't, don't tell me that they're going to taste like meat when, when they're vegetarian. I'm, I'm fine for them to just be vegetarian. Um, and I made some fried breadsticks the other day and they've used it to make donuts too. 
Yep, it's it's it's, it's good super dough. versatile. Yep. You should always keep bread dough in your fridge. That's yes. our tip of the year. <laughs> um, we have also for the truck been working on places to park our giant twenty four foot yarn truck. Um, we are contacting local and slightly farther afield businesses and really working on, we've got a paper calendar printed out with all of the yarn clubs that meet that we know of in the central and southern Indiana area um, and really getting into the nuts and bolts of where are we going to be parked when um, and getting that set up with locally owned businesses uh, like coffee shops and microbreweries um, and their bookshops and, uh, and there are several different um, sort of slightly out of the ordinary businesses that were um, have been recommended or that we found that we're working with so I'm enthusiastic and excited I'm very passionate about wanting to support small local businesses so this gives us a great opportunity to do that um, and meet up with more of you you all while we're while we're in the mix yeah, it's good fun, and hopefully we'll get some of those um, actually on a schedule pretty soon. We've had lots of good responses from the businesses too. Um, so, yeah, we should be up and running with some places to be. And, Dave, what have you been up to these two weeks? Well, um, I have been dying a bunch of yarn. <laughs> um, 130 skeins, to So the first run of Sealux is done. Um, that's about half of what we have in. So I've done um, one batch of each of the first 10 colors. And we'll see how those go. It will allow me to dye um, some extras if uh, there's colors that we're running low off. So I'm holding back about half of what we have. Um, they look great. Erica spent a lot of time rewinding them and putting them... Um, Back into skeins. Yep, he did all the labels the, on. So. He did all the dyeing. I did all the twisting into skeins, labeling, and photography to put up on the website. That wasn't intentional. It just happened that way. Uh, Erica feeling... somehow got the boring, boring part. No, I don't mind it. I like projects where I can see huge progress. So you start <laughs> off with a giant box of skeins, and you end up with neatly twisted labeled. That it's just it's very satisfying. It's what I was in the mood to do, which is why I did it. And I have been researching, researching and sourcing things. So um, I managed to set up and get the notions that we've um, ordered and have finally got in. I've got um, our other items that we'll need for our kits um, are all ordered for our Kickstarter kits. Um, so those Tape are measures all and on the needles way. And Tape measures and needles and yarn snips, snips and, and all kinds of stuff. So um, we received our tape measures today. Um, and they were green and had occupational therapy written on the front of them. Um, so we got <laughs> not, the wrong order from the printer. Um, so hopefully we'll get those in, in the next few days. Uh, we'll have enough excess to have those for sale in the store too. Um, the occupational therapy ones? The, the ones that say okay. Nomad Yarns on Can them are a nice bright white colour. to wherever they're supposed to go so that we don't I've just throw asked, away 250 tape measures? Because that would make me really if sad. If they don't want them back, we'll send them to a local charity. Okay. Or perhaps a local occupational therapist. Or perhaps a local occupational therapist. I think we know one or two. <sighs> um, and uh, we've been uh, getting ready to fit out the truck. So we already ordered our solar system um, to set up the solar power in there. It's too cold to... Yeah. Um, to fit that you, out. You right can't now. do anything when it's minus 38 degrees outside. Um, but we have been roving around the countryside picking up other things. Um, so we went to the shelving company and uh, got slat wool to fit the inside. So we picked a nice kind of whitewashed barnwood um, looking interior. 
So that will be fully fitted out. That will go behind the shelves and the baskets and things that we put on um, the walls, but that will clad the interior. We've got all the paint and um, other items we need to kind of uh, finish cleaning up the roof and the um, interior doors. Um, and we went a couple of days ago and got flooring for the inside. So we've got some beautiful um, vinyl wood grain flooring. Um, Eric is looking... I think beautiful, maybe. It's very functional. Um, I think it's I, pretty. I, I have strong feelings about... Okay, it's a wood grain laminate. It's not real hardwood. I'm just, but it's the I'm, prettiest thing we could put in the truck. <laughs> I'm spoiled because... We have two buildings. We have two buildings that were both, yes. <laughs> a very old, original hardwood flooring that I really love. That I hand-finished, sanded myself, stained and polyurethane, back-breaking labor because I really love hardwood floors. I have strong feelings about laminate hardwood floors. I can strongly um, guarantee, though, it will be the prettiest floor in a truck for several hundred miles. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair <laughs> promise. Um... So we've got all that ready to fit as soon as it gets warm enough. Um, we've both been chatting with our artist friend as well, who's working on the artwork for the outside. We've had some um, really great sketches here. Oh, it's going to be so cool. She started doing some um, some colour work on those so we can see some of the animals. We're hoping to see more this weekend. It's it, She's doing a really great job. We're really looking forward to, to seeing that. So we will be getting the truck in to be wrapped with her original artwork um, as soon as it's ready. And as soon as we've organised things with the printers. Yep, should be hopefully um, ready fairly soon. It's all a jigsaw of moving pieces. Yes, there's a lot. <laughs> Turns uh, out this is hard. And then uh, we have the office uh, set up. Um, so the oh, contractors I was supposed have. To, I was supposed to talk about that. We have a list of things that we're supposed to talk about. I messed up. I went it's off. been a long week. Erica's grid. looking very tired as we're recording this. This is late after we close on a Thursday evening, which is our late night. So It's, it's um, 10 o'clock at night. I don't do well after about <laughs> 6.30. Uh, midnight, she turns into a pumpkin. Um, so the office is a renovated outbuilding on our personal property. Um, it was originally a chicken coop, um, which makes it sound very sketchy, and it's not. It was a chicken coop for about 120 chickens. Yes, it's the size of a one-car garage. It may be, even be a little bit larger than it's that. A, yeah, it's a bit bigger. Um, and there has not been a chicken in it in probably 100 years. Um, so it uh, in the last few weeks, it has been completely... It was already just... I mean, it, it's wood with a concrete floor, um, and it was all, all just the studs, just the wood. Um, but it has been weather weatherproofed and insulated and drywalled and painted and baseboarded and the windows sealed and heaters installed and uh, can lights installed and door locking mechanisms fiddled with. Yeah, that's um, a weather stripping. It's been fully um, fitted out with new electrics. So everything is is up and ready with that, um, except for the final installation of the lights, which hasn't been able to happen because it has been literally dangerously too cold to go outside and cars won't start. So the electrician cannot get to us to finish it, but he's coming. He will come. Back. He called the other day and said, my work truck won't start. I can't come until it gets a bit warmer. 
Um, so we have actually moved in all of the um, kind of the stuff that was in the middle of our house being destroyed by our children, um, like the slate wall and the retractable awning for the truck and all the random things that we didn't have a place to put have all gone to live in the outbuilding now. Well, also, uh, more excitingly, we've carried in the desk that was at the store, our front desk. Um, so again, a similar kind of whitewashed um, this one is real, wood. Yep. is real wood. It is real wood. And is actually weathered because we've used it as the front desk for nine years. Um, and we've got a big Nomad Yarns um, sign printed. And that is going to be Erica's recording space for YouTube. Um, yes, so I will have proper space with proper lighting to do proper videos that do not look yellow in the background, no matter how many lights I put on them in the store. Um, so everything is white. We've got lots more lighting uh, things going on. So hopefully uh, with the most recent pattern release, that is the last of the um, sort of haphazardly lit uh videos that you're going to see from us uh that was a big part of the kickstarter was um to to properly set up recording space uh, so that i could make high quality videos that would make things very clear for you to very very clearly be able to see and get the help that you need um with any of the knitting and crochet tutorials that i'm doing um so that is in the works uh, i'm not techie by nature um, so it has been a little bit of a challenge for me to do all of the research to figure out the best lighting solutions that made the most sense for us but i've worked through it i think i've, I've got solutions put in place here okay and we've uh we've got some kind of dressing for that room as well we went and got a big um, rug to put on the inside uh, make it look a bit nicer we put some metal shelving from the store in um, to store our kind of kits and things they're made and then we're going to pick up um, some recycled shipping um, totes. Um, big giant metal really things, big, yeah. bulletproof. <laughs> Plastic and metal totes for holding all of the reserve yarn and all of our extra online store stock um, when we've moved out of the store. So that is nearly ready to go. One other thing that I've been sewing is uh, cedar wood sachets. Uh, we are putting those in all of the boxes uh, just to make double sure that was a thing that was in the forefront of my mind with having the outbuilding renovated um, and with some of the truck things is to make sure that we were getting your yarns completely pest free. Um, so a lot of extra work has been has gone into sealing things up and making sure that everything has been uh, sprayed and treated appropriately. And um, we are double and triple sealing everything. <laughs> uh, and putting uh, cedar sachets in with everything uh, so that uh, you will get your yarn friend free. And cedar fresh. <laughs> um, so I sewed, I don't know like a hundred cedar sachets or something and they're <laughs> they're fairly big i don't know they're like three by five inch uh little sachet things and they're really easy to use we just um got cedar pet bedding um just cedar shavings and we'll basically put those in a couple of those in every single box of yarn that's sat anywhere um to make sure that everything is kept nice and sweet smelling um, and I think that that is all that we have been working on. I can't be all, but it's, it's as many there. things as we can think of <laughs> that we've worked on. I did some painting in the studio too. <laughs> as, as many as your model painting, as always, he's been working hard on. 
So, Erica, what's our sponsored pattern this week? Our sponsored pattern, as I've already talked about, is the plaid lace scarf by me, Erica Kim Broughton. Um, this pattern is up on Ravelry. Uh, it is one of our first patterns. It's been around a while. I really, really like it. It has... You knit this when you were visiting me when I still lived in England. I remember you working on the project on a bus. Okay. Um, it has I really have a soft spot for dropped stitches dropped on purpose as opposed to on accident um, and this pattern actually does drops in two directions so you does horizontal drops which you accomplish by uh, when you put your knitting needle in you normally would wrap the yarn around it one time and then pull a loop through to do a standard knit stitch for this you put your needle in and you wrap the yarn around three times and pull it through um, and then on the next row, you knit one of those and drop the other two off. So you create these really elongated rows of stitches horizontally. Um, and then at the total end of the project, as you're binding off, you drop stitches off and let them unravel all the way down at regular intervals um, to, to create vertical drop stitches. And it creates this really interesting sort of plaid effect where you have squares of dense fabric and separated by drop stitches going both directions. It's really cool looking. I like it a lot. It goes very quickly because the drop stitch the drop stitch rows are much bigger than a standard row would be, so it goes much faster. Um, it shows off, uh, I think, hand-dyed yarn and especially the silk content of this yarn, uh, the Silux that we've just dyed, uh, really well. Uh, it The drop stitches really let the yarn... Sing. That seems sounds super cheesy, but it's the... it, it, this technique works really well with hand dyes because you can see the colors so much better, and they they kind of work with some with yarns that have kind of a little bit of texture or sheen to them because it really shows off the strand of yarn too. Um, so it was a fun project to revisit. Um, I did do the mini tutorials as in all as with all of our new style pattern releases, uh, where I do short generally less than 10 minute normally less than five minute videos on it just the very small uh sort of part that i know may trip people up from all of my years of experience teaching classes and answering questions in the shop um so there is a tutorial for how to do the horizontal drops how to do the vertical drops how to bind off how to block and then if you're like me uh this pattern when you drop the stitch off and at the very end, you knit the entire scarf, you drop the stitch off and let it unravel the entire length of the scarf to see what it's going to look like. I can't wait my whole six feet of knitting the scarf to see what it's going to look like. I desperately want to know what it's going to look like three inches in. Um, so I did a, a, a short little tutorial on how to cheat and <laughs> how to drop, be impatient. <laughs> drop a stitch off and see what it's going to look like without ruining your whole project and have to start over again because that's silly. Um, so I hope that you enjoy all of those and have, have a look if it sounds like fun. Um, to get your free copy of this pattern for three days, your free three, so it will be today, Saturday, uh, tomorrow, Sunday, and Monday, February 2nd, 2nd uh, use the coupon code, not really plaid. <laughs> Yes, spaces, no capital letters. Not really plaid for the plaid lace scarf by me, Erica Kim Fratton. And check out our online store at store.nomadyarnshop.com uh, where you can buy the Sealux um, or you can pick up the kits um, available in every color of Sealux 
with a printed uh, fancy card copy of the pattern and we'll slip uh, a sticker or something in the in the tube ready to go too. Um, Check out our new packaging with yeah. the recycled tennis ball tubes with the kits. And also available on there now is the Nomad gauges, the um, the stitch markers, the new insulated cups, and a few of the uh, project bags. We will be getting some new project bags soon. And we only have like four left. <laughs> All right, and Dave, into colorful puddles. Why don't you tell us how you created the new Sealux yarn? Okay, so I have designed uh, 10 colors of Sealux. We want to give a real color range. The yarn um, has been a way of trying out some, um, some new colors with the new equipment. Um, so we picked a wide range. Uh, there's some tonals, and then there's some kind of crazy uh, color mixes. That were the most fun to design. The purple and orange is my favorite, I think. Um, so each of the um, each of the yarn colors was dyed in a very similar way. They worked with three colors. Um, I set up my new steam tables, which I talked about uh, last time when we were uh, talking about setting up the studio. Um, got them uh, basically heating, ready to go, and then soaked my... Uh, batches of yarn ready to uh, put in the dye baths. So as before, I've been using my um, mason jar method of making stock solutions. That's a great way for me to kind of get going um, with basically dye concentrations I'm familiar with. What I plan to do in future is then start doing a lot more um, stringent calculations so I don't end up with stock solutions uh, sat around because we've started purchasing the dyes in larger quantities rather than me using the dyes off the shelf. Um, so I did have to do it for a couple this time. So I have an accurate scale. I'm wearing a dust mask, which is very important when you're working with these uh, powdered dyes, they're very fine powders. Um, measured out the quantity of um, dye that I needed to make in the solution. So for this, I was using the standard half ounce jar, which is 14 grams. I do everything metrically because I'm a scientist and I use international standard units. Um, so measured out my 14 grams of dye. I then made that up in our um, regular size mason jar, which yes, I know is 32 ounces. I can't remember at the top of my head how many mils that is. Um, but then that After allows me to- After you made such a big deal about metric. Got it written down. <laughs> um, but then I will then use um, I've got some giant syringes, like the ones you use to uh, give horses their medicine, um, to be able to measure those volumetrically. So that's really good because then I can mix up this uh, dye concentrate solution and then use it for producing my dye baths. So I then set up each of my baths with uh, heating with the, the water in. I measured the water out. I also put a measured amount of vinegar um, into each of the baths that will allow me to keep um, each of the bars are consistent kind of as um, pH level. And you've got citric acid, right, that you plan to, to test yes. out. So I'm going to start using citric acid um, with the next um, dye. I'm going to do some tests. I want to make sure I get my concentrations correct to get the color how I want it every time. So the, with the Sealux, what I was really testing out is the methods and the equipment. That's why we wanted to do this yarn first just to go with a, a method that I'm very familiar with, um, with the new equipment and trying to scale up a little bit um, to see kind of where we can go with this. Um, 
so it's been useful to kind of set it up with my my previous setup um, and I'll talk at the end about why what we're going to change um, in the future with this um, so then I was able to depending on the color um, add my first color to my heated bath then put my soaked uh, skeins in again the skeins are soaked in water with um, the acid in as well to make sure they got acidulated water running all the way through them dunk them straight in the color give them a stir around and that helps add um, set the first color on now depending on how much you stir um, the color and how much actual dye you put in you'll get variations from being a really solid color all the way to being um, just kind of patches of lighter color with almost white in depending on the colorway I vary the concentration I was putting in there depending on what I wanted to get um, so that's something to be aware of also if you heat the bath first the dyes strike faster that means they set to the um, to the yarn quicker so does that mean if the if the baths are heated first you tend to get areas that are darker and then areas that are lighter versus if the it was if it was cold yes. you get more all over the same color yeah okay um i i don't let my baths heat all the way up i just want to give them a little bit of a kick start that helps keep the um the dyes in solution so i i kept the baths basically at hand hot about lukewarm you're going to be heating your um, skeins all the way up to just below boiling. Um, and the steam table is set to do that. So as it's heating for the first one, I'll put it in and then I'll start with um, basically warm tap water with the next ones. So then as everything's soaking and ready to go, I can put the skein straight in. So the temperature isn't super critical as long as you're in a rough range. If you get them to just below boiling, um, the dye start to set, um, really set about 185 um, Fahrenheit. So as soon as you um, add your skeins to a 185 part, they're going to basically set instantly. So get them kind of about hand hot. That's a really good place to be. Put my skeins in, stir them around, the, basically the amount that I want. And then there's a three color process. So then I would measure my second color in my syringe and then inject that at one end of the rectangular pot and then do a very small amount of stirring just to kind of disturb the yarn in that area get that color to kind of um, mix into there but you don't want to stir your um, kettle a lot in the kettle dyeing process the variation is all about the changing colors and the differences across the dye pot so if you stir it up a lot and get it really mixed in it's not a kettle it's, dye it's, not, it's, it's just going to, all going to disappear and become the same color um, this is especially important when you're going with the really kind of um, widely variegated ones um, so as soon as i've got that in and worked all the way through my uh, six pots i will then um, add in the second color at the opposite end um, this will make sure if i'm going really concentrated um, colors that as they kind of mix together in the middle i'm not eradicating the first color completely it also ensures that if i'm using uh, very contrasting colors that i don't get too much muddying between them um, and basically then we let them sit until they're set so we need the um, temperature to rise all the way up beyond 185 and basically sit there for about 20 minutes so with these new pots, I can do a run in about 45 minutes or so. And that's 12 skeins. That's six pots, each containing two skeins. Um, 
And then as soon as that's done, I can have already had the next um, lot of yarn soaking. Basically take them out, rinse the pots, put hand hot water back in, dug my new skeins in and the new badai button, and get ready to go. So the more I do in one shot, the faster I can run through. Um, and then we take the skeins out, let them cool for just a minute, and then I'll rinse them in warm water with uh, Synthropol, which is a uh, basically a dye uh, stripping detergent. Um, it's used by the dye industry to uh, basically clean out any excess dye and then give them another rinsing cool water. Um, until the water runs absolutely clear and at that point everything is set and ready to dry um so we grabbed some of the wire racks that um we've used for we've used, in the shop yeah. for years that, and these were ones that were starting to kind of sell down the stock on so we took those down um set those up as drying racks and then i made myself a little yarn forest it was hard to navigate this yarn forest it was <laughs> a little cramped in the yarn forest um so with the 10 colors um with this kettle dye process i've been really happy with the um the tonals and they look really great on the sea lugs they came out really good the tonal um, colors so like uh, three different shades of blue three different shades of reds those kind of colors yeah and those those really kind of work well together what we found with the really contrasting colors every skein came out beautifully Every skein came out every a little bit differently than every other one. Um, so this is something we've noticed um, when we've been buying yarns from cattle dyeing companies um, in the past. That like Malabrigo is is a good example of this. That the really heavily variegated colors that have a lot of colors going on, a lot of contrast. The skeins in the batch look very different from each other. Um, and and it turns out that's because that's what that technique it's just does. That, that, what that technique does. I was not as happy with those colors as a batch. I think every single skein is beautiful. I love every single skein on its own. It does mean that the more heavily variegated ones um, will not be as easy to make large projects out of. Out of the batch of 12, you'll you'll be able to pick out two or three that will go together. But a sweater's worth is not going to be as successful as I necessarily want it to be. So what I've decided to do is when I do um, those heavily contrasted colors in the future, I'll hand paint them. Um, and then once I've got the hand paint colors kind of in place, I will then set them in a hot water bath, which will give them some of the kettle look. So I'll let the dyes move and blend into each other a little bit as the kettles do. Um, All right. Well, I heard our dinner ding, uh, ding ready, as the three-year-old would say. Um, and as it is 10.30 at night, I think we should go and eat dinner. Hot, uh, hot sriracha, macaroni cheese, and um, some silly TV in bed, I think. Yes. So we'll see you next time. Stay warm out there. Thanks for listening, everyone. Find us on Facebook on our group Nomad Jarnas Podcast, on Instagram as Nomad Jarns, or on Ravelry in our group Nomad Jarnas. Find show notes with links to things we've talked about on today's show on our website, nomadjarnshop.com slash podcast. And as I tell all my classes, in crafting, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>